0: as we jump into um, Habakkuk, or uh, I think the Americans pronounce it Habakkuk, so sort of depending on where, I'm not sure how the English people pronounce it, so I'll let you guys, I'll let you work that one out for yourself, but but the thing is like, and and the thing is the Jewish people probably pronounce it altogether different again, but um, Habakkuk is actually a really, um, it's an interesting book because um, it's actually a book that... It's a lot of the other prophets. They get a message from God. They go pass the message on to the people. Habakkuk is actually a conversation between Habakkuk and God, and he and and it starts off right at the beginning. He's asking a question of why. It's it's and 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 again, like um, we 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 sort of I don't know about you, but for I, I me. Mean, I Why mummy? Why daddy? Why? Why are we doing this? Why can't we do this? Why can't I have chips? Why can't I have lollies? So you have that why that kind of is ongoing and, and repetitive and, and it can get a bit frustrating. Just on a slight point. I wonder if that's how we sound to God sometimes when we ask that why question too often. But at times we we've just got confusing times. We we might be in front of a doctor and we're going, why why is this happening? I don't please explain it to me again, it's not sinking in. Or, or something happens to one of our children at school, and we, we just want to know, why Why did that happen? Why did it happen? Or, or again, like at the beginning of, of 2020, we're probably sort of at a point where we're going, oh, I don't know why this is happening around the world. Sometimes we ask why when life is not going as planned. Some of us have a really rigid plan, as we go, from 20 to 25 I'm going to do this, from 25 to 30 I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have my 3.2 children, everything else that goes along the way, I'm going to have a job, I'm going to get promoted, this is going to happen, and I'm going to retire, I'm going to take holidays in between, and it doesn't go to plan. And we're sort of going, but God, why? Why is this plan not happening? Haven't I been doing the right thing? Haven't I been asking you like, what I can be doing? Sometimes our why does come from a genuine place. It comes from a place where we are, we are really seeking an answer from God because at the moment our understanding is not enough and we're just going, God, why is this happening? But sometimes our why does come from a selfish place. Um, and um, there was a TV show called, What Would You Do? And they put actors into everyday situations with hidden cameras to see what people would do in response. And one time they sent an actor into a grocery store and the actor then asked to cut in line in, in a grocery store. Maybe they only had a few items or something like that. And so they, oh, can I just jump in front? Of My kids are waiting in the car or something like that. And they jump in front of the line. And then when it gets to the checkout, the light and music, um, come on and there's flashing lights and the clerk says, oh, you are a one million customer. Here is $500 check. And, and you are, you are the winner. Now the thing is the fun part was watching the people behind that have let this person in the line all of a sudden they're going that's my $500. That was that was mine. That was I deserve that money and and all of a sudden they they watched a different response of one customer slammed down his groceries and walked out of the store and couldn't believe that he'd missed out on his money. But it wasn't really his money he just thought that way. Other people were were um were sort of sort of in a discussion saying, "Well, that that $500 really should be mine." And, and, and the customer going, no, no, I, I won it. I was the one million customer. But you wouldn't have been the one million. Cu- and so all of a sudden, debate sort of raved, raved uh, about it. Um, the thing is, that was a why-not-me kind of question, not particularly a why one. But sometimes we ask out of a selfish place. And one of the big, biggest questions we can ask, and, and this is particularly can come at, at maybe really deep times of suffering, um, deep times of, of turmoil in our life, why did you let this happen, God? Anyone ever ask that question? What did you let this happen? Now this morning we, we sung that song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. And you sing those words. And then you kind of try and match it with that same phrase, God, why did you let this happen? That encapsulates what Habakkuk is about. Because he is asking a question of God who he knows, who can do amazing things, but isn't. And again, so that's um, where we're going to be journeying, and, and uh, it's actually a journey type of book. So um, I want to give you a little bit of background, um, and sort of so we can find out about Habakkuk. Habakkuk, who? Um, um, so basically, um, Habakkuk one one says the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. So that's that's the intro we get from Habakkuk. We don't get much more than that. However, we do know a little bit more about him from um, the book itself. He's one of the minor prophets. Now, the minor prophets are not minor because of their length of service or the message that they delivered. It's the length of their books. So that's the only reason that's a descriptor. Um, He wasn't under 18 or anything like that. Um, And so he's basically found between Nahum and, and Zephaniah. So if you don't know where Habakkuk is in your Bible... You may not know where Nahum and Zephaniah is so You might need to go to the white pages in the front of your Bible and look it up and go, Oh yeah, I didn't even know those ones were there. So um, so towards the end of the Old Testament, um, and um, he would have been a contemporary of both Nahum and Zephaniah, but also Jeremiah. So Jeremiah, who knows Jeremiah um, without singing a song, like um, some of you want to do that right now. Um, but the thing is, Jeremiah, so it would have been around the same time as Habakkuk. So Jeremiah wasn't sort of solely serving God, when and then the next one takes over. And his name means, and it's kind of, uh, I suppose, depending on how you take it, it either means to embrace, which is, I suppose, a comforting, oh yeah, someone's going to give me a, a cuddle, and and and, or to wrestle. So um, again, like, um, it's sort of. Some some people go. Yep, I love to cuddle people while wrestling them. I don't. I, I don't know. But um. But basically, it's probably a good description. Both those words, because you've got a, a prophet who wrestled with the frustrating questions, but also then embraced God's love, um, despite the answers he got. Um, he was probably a temple musician. As you jump into chapter three, the way that the the chapter is structured is actually written like a song and so uh, Habakkuk has probably written a song that finishes off his writing so that's a little bit about um, who Habakkuk was he would have been um, time wise he would have been very close to the end of the reign of Judah so just to put that into perspective um, you have Josiah who was um, the, he actually brought about great reforms in, in Judah and then after him Judah kind of went downhill again um up north at this time Israel had been overtaken by the Assyrians and was no more. So the Assyrians were the, the world power, but their power was going down. And on the rise, you have the Babylonians coming up. So that's King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel and the Lion's Den. That, that, that's where this story is starting to pick up. So Habakkuk was sort of at the wane of the Assyrians and the end of towards the end of the Judah's um, I suppose, autonomy as a country. So I wanted to sort of point out, what were the reasons for um, Habakkuk's why? Why was he um, having those in there? And so it wasn't an, an incident. You know, sometimes we, we just wake up one day or we have a, a situation at work and we kind of end up going, just questioning life, questioning choices, questioning um, all these different kinds of things. Why don't I even wear these pants today? Just Why? His, it wasn't an instantaneous sort of like having a moment type of thing. He wasn't having a bad day. He wasn't hangry and was in need of his snickers. It wasn't anything like that. There were three reasons I want to look at why Habakkuk was questioning God. First of all, it was unanswered prayer. So anyone here ever had unanswered prayer? So, so you, again, you might be able to relate to this, but here's Habakkuk in, in uh, verse 2 of chapter 1. He says, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen, or I cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Habakkuk was very aware of what was happening around him, and he was asking the question: Why are good people suffering, God? Why, why are people suffering that shouldn't be suffering? Why? And, and again, that sort of all of a sudden it flows into us, and we start asking these questions: God, why do families fall apart? Why, when I try so hard, do I seem to get nowhere? Why is that person sick? God, they're a good person. They've been faithful to you, and all of a sudden, this sickness, it might be something that's going to disaffect them for the rest of their life, or it might be something that ends their life. Why, God? Why have people I've cared about walked away from God? Or even walked away from me? Why have I lost my job? Why did that person do that to me? Why, God, 2020? Why? Why this year? Why is all these things happening? That's kind of the attitude that Habakkuk had at this point in time. He was seeing real needs around him. And in fact, what was happening was that he could see not only the Assyrians who were doing horrible things, he, he was worried about the rise of Babylonian power, but he could actually see the people of Judah not following God. People in power in Judah were doing horrible things to their own countrymen. They weren't looking after the people that were they were meant to be looking after. They weren't following God. And Habakkuk was asking that question, God, how long must I wait for this to happen? How long before you are going to step in? And I don't know about you, but I know I can relate to that with Habakkuk. There are times I've been waiting for God to show up in a certain situation, and, and you wait, and you wait a month, and you wait a year, and you wait five years, and God, God when, is this, when is this going to change? That's the reasons for Habakkuk's why. Well, the unanswered prayer was one of the reasons. His second reason is he was asking this question why did the wicked win? It is so unfair when people who are evil get away with it. It is so unfair when people who are undeserving get stuff that they shouldn't get. Anyone ever been at school when, like, that person gets something that they shouldn't have got and you kind of go, what about me? I missed out and I should have been able to get it or you look around and you sort of look around and go, why, why do I have to work so hard and they get things so easy? Habakkuk um, um, verses 3 and 4 says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so justice is perverted. Now, I don't know about you. Some people here would go; they would struggle to be either honest with me, or they would refuse to ask these questions because they go, "I can't say that before God. I can't say those things. I can't question God in that way." Now, what will be obvious in this book that there was no um, lightning bolt that came out of the sky for Habakkuk for asking these questions? No piano fell on his head. He asks these questions in in, in full honesty before God. And God actually comes to give him an answer in in a moment. And again, even that answer is something different again. But what I'm saying is that it is not wrong to feel and to ask these questions. It is wrong to ignore God's answers for them. And it is wrong to be disobedient to God if we kind of don't accept the answer that we get. Like, God, why haven't I got a new car and you you want God to turn around and go, and I was just running a bit late, here it is. Oh, that's an acceptable answer, God. I know, that God might just go, because you don't need one yet. Or, I I want you, you need some exercise. I don't know, like, it could be a whole lot of reasons that God is doing that. But, like, it's not wrong to question God. And it's one thing when we suffer to go, oh, maybe God is teaching me patience. Um, and I just, anyone out there, if anyone out there has been praying for patience for me this year, can you please stop? Um, I'm finding that my patience is growing, but it's also growing thin. So, like, um, um, so, but maybe when we suffer also, we look at it and go, we, we are spiritually mature enough to go, maybe the suffering will, will, will actually build character in my life and, and help me be closer to God. Those, those are good things to have. But God, why are the wicked rewarded? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through tough times and the wicked are rewarded? Why do the undeserving seem to get so much? Maybe they get favour at work, and you you are doing all the jobs. You are cleaning up at mackers in the background while these guys who are lazy are getting promoted. God, why does that happen? Maybe it's popularity. God, why why is that person popular? They're so mean to everyone. And yet they're so popular. They get all the. They get everyone likes them, or everyone's afraid of them. One of the two. Maybe you look around, and you see people get unearned inheritance or gifts from other people, and, and again you're working so hard, and you see other people getting it so easy. God, why do the undeserving seem to get so much? And and we sort of going, well God, like, have I done something to 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 put me in the, in the naughty corner? And we are left struggling. But then you have people, also, who do evil and there's no punishment for them. Ah, that's a struggle. That is a struggle to look around and see that injustice in the world, to see people not getting what they deserve when they, they have more than earned them. This is that the second reason for, for Habakkuk's why, is that why do the wicked win? we also then come to the point where we get God's unexpected answer. In Habakkuk 1.5, we go. We hear these words, and this is God speaking. So if you're reading through the first four verses are Habakkuk speaking, then this is God speaking from verse 5 onwards. Look at the nations and watch, and I will be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Now... Taken by itself. That verse is amazing. Okay? God is... Because again, if you applied that promise, God is going to do something in your days that you would not even believe if I told you about it. And all of a sudden, most of us... Well, if you're a positive person, you kind of go, Oh, do you know what? That means God is going to do something really good and amazing. If you're a negative person, you might go, oh, God has got to do something really bad and terrible and I wouldn't have believed it for someone's help. So you might be on that, but most people read that verse and I know I've read that verse before. Oh, that's a great memory verse to have. And taken by itself, you think God is about to send this mighty spiritual awakening, restore Judah to its power, overcome the enemies that are knocking at its doors and God is going to be victorious and all of a sudden people of Israel will be singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker. As I said before, this was an unexpected answer that Habakkuk was about to receive. And we see in verse six, uh, I am up uh, uh, I, uh, I was raising up the, the Babylonians that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth. Sweep across the whole earth. It sounds like they were like parasites. They kind of move from country to country, and so Assyria. Now, Assyria was a horrible uh, nation. Like the empire of Assyria, that horrible thing. And it seems to be, as a, a human beings, we kind of not only we find out to each other in power, we find out to each other in evil as well. And they would come across and do these horrible things. They would see a country that they wanted, and they would take. it They would see something else, and they just take it for themselves. City nations were all there, and and nothing. God said "Could the surprised Habakkuk more than this. Because all of a sudden he said, why are the people of Judah who not following God? Why are the people of Judah doing a horrible things? And he said, I've got an answer for you. I'm going to send people that are more evil to actually correct People that are actually worse than the people of Judah are going to come in and, and, and be at the hand of God's punishment. Now, yeah, i going to talk about this a little bit next week, and down to maybe guys should have stopped at verse five and saying, "Well, look at the nations; they're going to do something that you've never seen before." And Habakkuk can go to bed that night, and go, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to wait on God's promise." But God says, "I'm I'm working here, and and something's going to happen because, as I said, everyone knew about the Babylonians. If you weren't Babylonian, you hated them. Why? Because they weren't. They weren't in benefit of you. And then what they would do, they would conquer a nation, and then they'd take the people from that nation and put them next to people of another nation, and 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 sort of mix them all up so that they would intermarry. They would um, get a common language, and all of a sudden, the nations that were independent would disappear. They'd be sort of um, married off, and all of a sudden, as few generations in, again, you'd have this great Babylonian um, nation. That's what they tried to do with the Israelites. So when you see Daniel, uh, first chapter of Daniel, they basically said, "We want you to come and learn our ways. We're going to give you new names. We want you to eat our food. We want you to be like us." That's what they're trying to do. They're taking that the, I suppose the the elite class of Israel or Judah and trying to change them. And so all of a sudden, like Babylon was not a, a country or nation that people wanted to have anything to do it do with. They were ruthless and impetuous, feared and dreaded, a lord to themselves. They were swift as leopards, ravenous as wolves, and they swooped down on their prey like eagles dropping from the sky. This is God actually speaking to Habakkuk. doesn't sound really like, okay, God, I was coming to you for good news. I was going, why are you so slow in doing stuff? And, and God, your answer doesn't seem to match up. And then God's ultimate indictment of them was that whose strength is their God? He said, basically for the Babylonians, their power was what they, where they worshipped. They worshipped their power. And you can see that again in Nebuchadnezzar. He was the one who set up the giant statue himself and said, no one can worship anyone but that statue. Because it was a power hunger. Now, through all his questions, Habakkuk actually grows in his faith. But it was a bit of a journey to get through that. But there's a, probably a few things that we need to be aware of as, as Habakkuk asks these questions honestly and is seeking God's direction and, and seeking understanding. There's, there's a few things that Habakkuk needed to know and there's a few things that we probably need to know as well. First of all, we only see a part of the picture a lot of times like if you only see um some like again like anyone here into jigsaw puzzles like if you try to do a jigsaw puzzle without the picture how would that how would that go Sally Terrible. it would not be fun at all we need the picture to actually be able to work out the problem the problem when it comes to some of the questions that we ask why about we can't see the picture we need a bigger we need we only see a part of it we need the whole picture and we don't ever get why because God is at work beyond just our life. Now, sometimes we think that God should give us the whole picture to our life, so we know what's next, we know what's how to respond, we know what what troubles are going to come our way. God, give me the complete picture, and I'll be fine. But God says, no, that's that's like I'd have to do that for everyone then, and then like and it's not going to work out. You guys will still get it wrong. But we only get part of the picture. It was like and most of you may have heard this story before, uh, three blind men, they find an elephant and, and one of them sort of grabs the the tu- the, the, the trunk of the elephant and, and sort of assumes what the elephant would be like. One of them sort of touches the skin and go, oh and like and, and sort of touches the legs of the and go, oh this must be a mighty beast and one of them grabs the tail and go, This must be the small, sort of weediest type of animal in the world. And because they, again, because they can only touch what is in front of them, they can't get the whole picture. And this becomes a big thing for us, because again, I I truly believe that, as I said, that song we sung today, um, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness." I believe that 100% about God. At the same time, there are things that God says, you know what, you don't need to know right now. And, and, And so, there have been times when that's the answer I've got back from God, and when I've asked why, the answer's been, I am God. And, and again, depending on my walk with God at the time, sometimes I'd go, yes, you are, and I am not, and I will trust you. Other times I'm going to keep asking that why, or I'm going to go disagree with you, God. I think you've got it wrong here. But we, we need to understand that God sees everything, and again, it, it becomes, that becomes our journey of faith. Trusting in God in those times that we don't understand, because we only see part of the picture. Secondly, God isn't limited by what we think. Or he isn't limited by what we think he should do. Now, I am sure there would be some here thinking, if God took on my suggestions, the world would be a better place really quick. Like, anyone ever sort of dare venture that way, going, God, if you just listen to me on these things, the world would be a bit better? No one wants to be honest, or like. But the thing is, sometimes, oh, okay, well, I've given suggestions to God. Sometimes they're not really suggestions I've demanded from God. I said, God, I really need this to happen in my life. And it hasn't. And, and again, like I, sometimes I think God needs to act differently to what he does. Sometimes there's people who have passed away and I've gone, God, they shouldn't have been taken. It wasn't their time. They didn't deserve it. God, you've got it wrong here. And there's a movie that some of you may have seen, Um, it's not really new anymore, Bruce Almighty. And in that movie, he's asking that question, why? And all of a sudden, God actually gives him his power and, and for a period of time. And Bruce actually goes on the show that, again, he doesn't have the wisdom of God. He may have the ability to, to, to answer all the prayers in a positive. And in fact, he, he sets up his computer because he's hearing all these prayers coming in. And so what he does, he sets up his computer to actually receive prayers as emails. And all of a sudden, his email box is overflowing. And so he, he goes, you know what? To make it easier for me, I'm just going to say answer yes to all. And then as the movie goes on, what happens? Like, everyone who had been praying for the lottery won. But because everyone won, everyone only won like $2. And they, and, they, and like, everyone's team that they're, they're praying to win wins. And it causes riots and all these different things. And so, all of a sudden, by saying yes to everyone for everything that they asked, the world goes really badly. And I, I will tell you this if I had got, if I received a yes to everything I prayed for, I think my life would have been a worse place. But thanks to God's wisdom and and, and willingness to say no to me, all of a sudden I can be in a place where we are closer to God. So God isn't limited by what we think. In fact, what we think is really a small area compared to to what God is doing. And, And that was what it was for Habakkuk. He was going to say, God, like, in my lifetime I'm seeing people suffering here and then you said the Babylonians are going to come in. That's going to make things worse. But God, what what's going on? What Habakkuk doesn't know that probably about 70 years, but over 70 years down the track, the people are going to come back to God and they're going to come back to the land. The land is going to be restored and people are going to revive themselves. God knew that. Habakkuk didn't. And again, 70 years sounds like a long time for something to happen. For some of us, a day's too long, isn't it? We kind of go, God, I've prayed this today and I'm expecting an answer tomorrow. But sometimes God's picture of what's happening and the ability to think in a different way to us is amazing. But thirdly, what we need to realise at times is that we need a bigger God. Now, let me clarify that. I'm not saying we need a different God. I'm not saying that our God's not big. What I'm saying is that how what we believe about God at times actually shrinks God down in our own lives. And most of you most of you seen the movie Jaws or heard of it. There's a there's a quite a, a famous line from that as as the chief is sort of um putting um the, the blood and, and meat and stuff into the water to attract the shark. And he looks away and the shark sort of pops his head out of the water and he looks at it and he goes, That is a really big shark. And he goes up to the captain and he says, We're gonna need a bigger boat. That's the, that's the, that's the line. And in the same way, we sometimes, or not sometimes, we need a bigger God. And, and the thing is, again, like, if we, our God is, we only pray to God when we're in need, or if we only pray to God when we're in trouble, or if we only need, we need to get sort of out of a jam we've got ourselves in, well, God's not very big. But if we have got a God who actually rules over all of our life, all of a sudden that means God rules over the times when we want to be go our own way we, we get to the times where God is sort of wanting to do something um, different in us, he said, I want you to go to a different country and, and serve me there and we go God I don't want that now if we can say no to God God is not very big for us then is he like we, we can disagree with him like if we've got a God who's huge and amazing and done all these amazing things for us our response would be yes Our belief would be, God, yes, I know you can do this. And so, again, my answer will be yes. And so it comes back to that idea, we need a bigger God. Our belief and faith at times can shrink God. And what we really need to think about is that there's nothing wrong with with doubt. Doubt in the self is not a bad thing. Because doubt is actually not the opposite to faith. Who knows what the opposite to faith is? Anyone? Fear yeah. oh, oh, I could be, yeah. The opposite to faith would be Oh, what was this one? Self alliance? Yeah, you yeah, yeah, kinda of get in there. What, what's that? Despair? Oh yeah, well some of these yeah, some of these would actually fit in, but the opposite to faith is actually unbelief. It's not a little belief, it's not a small belief, it's not doubt, it's actually unbelief, I don't believe at all. And so the journey towards stronger faith often will go through paths of doubt, where we question God, God, can you do this? I don't know if you can, I'm going to sit down and wait for you a bit. And all of a sudden we get to a point, God shows himself to be true and we go, you know what, I can be obedient to this, I can follow you in this. So doubt is actually a a pathway to actually growing deeper in our faith. And this is what it is for Habakkuk. This chapter, even though it looks like he's questioning God and not believing in God, it is actually a journey to greater faith. And so that's why I I said before, like, the questions of why are not necessarily a bad thing. Because sometimes we we let a, a, a niggly why in our life, and we never actually... Take it to God, and all of a sudden we do come to a point where we go, I can't believe in God anymore because this exists. And therefore I walk away from God. So don't let your doubt grow so much that it prevents you from believing in God. Take your doubt to God and grow in faith through Him. So that's where I kind of want to finish up today before we jump in um, to some more verses next week. But I just wanted to I had this random thought this morning that I wanted to add in. Because often we, we kind of ask questions, why? And it sort of, it verges on, I suppose, a complaint or a God, yeah, I, I'm, I'm deserving better. There's actually another kind of why that we can ask. Uh, a why from the other side? And this is actually from the Daily Bread um, back in uh, 2005. And it says, a few years ago, an unkempt, poorly adjusted youth named Tim was converted to Christ in one of the Crusades. And so a few days later, he was sent to my house so that I could help him find a good church. And so it was that I began. he began attending with me. Now, though Tim needed and received much loving and help in personal grooming and basic social graces, one characteristic has remained unchanged throughout, his untamed love for his Saviour. But one Sunday after church, Tim rushed to my side. Looking somewhat perplexed, he exclaimed, "'Why me?' I kept asking myself, why me? I, I thought that he's becoming another complaining Christian, but then with arms outstretched he went on to say, out of all the people in the world who are greater and smarter than I am, why did God choose me? With what?" And with that he joyfully clapped his hands. Another, another interesting way to think about why because sometimes we, we think about why in the sense like what haven't I got what have I missed out on why am I facing this but have you ever thought about God, why is God love me enough to do what he did why did God give me grace why did God extend to me such mercy in my life what, who was I to be so special to God that he would do all that I think sometimes that why can be just as hard to answer as the other ones. Because, again, it just comes back to who God is. It comes back to who, why God loves us and shows us who he is and, and doing all these amazing things. And so in this, we see this works out in our favour. This is the why that works out in our favour, that we don't know why God looks at my life, looks at your life, and says, you know what, you are special to me. And we might be in the middle of struggle right now. I am sure there'd be more than a few people who have got a, a why question floating around. If not, if not big ones, maybe a few small ones, maybe a few medium sized ones. God, why? But let, let that question be a process where you bring that to God and listen for what God is wanting to tell you. Now he may bring you an answer that again surprises you. It may be a really good answer. It might be, but again, even if it's not the answer that you want or think you should get, know that you can grow in faith as you continue to follow Him. So let your doubts be a pathway to faith. And we're going to continue looking at Habakkuk next week as we try to understand when God doesn't do what we think He should do, how do we see, how do we understand what's going on around us? And we're going to continue that journey through Habakkuk next week. Let me just finish in prayer. Our Lord, we, we we thank you that we can come to you with our wives. We thank you that um, that you are in control even when we don't have the understanding. We thank you that you are a God that is way bigger in perspective than the perspective that we have even on our own lives. But I suppose here's the, here's the thing, Lord, we need to know that we can trust you. We, we need to be able to put our faith in you. And I, I pray that, that for those people that have doubts here today, that they'll bring them to you. I know that you are a God that will answer us or will give us peace in the waiting. Um, let us not hang on to our doubts in our own lives and, and, and let that drag us away from you, but let us come to you like Habakkuk did. Lord, I, I pray for us that our faith will grow even in times when your answer to us is something unexpected. But also, Lord, I I pray that we would praise you as we realise that we don't truly understand why we have been accepted into your kingdom. That we don't truly understand why we have been given grace. Where you have given, let us off the hook and let us be in relationship with you. And we thank you for that as well, Lord. Help us in our understanding. But Lord, give us peace when we don't. And we pray this in your name. Amen.